Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, we've been talking about a lot of things in the last couple of casts, and one of which was going towards doing the right thing because it's the right thing and don't do it because you're running away from something you want to avoid in terms of a problem. And also in some of our conversations, we have been talking about the importance of work and going out and putting your soul into work. You said that was one of the very important things of the lady to essentially make your work a contribution to going towards the gift of Christ. Um, And what I wanted to start off this conversation with was just the difference between receiving something and expecting something. And I think that these are going along the same lines, but I think that they have just such a giant difference in the way that we as people respond to each other or to institutions. And it really can change it from a negative outcome to a, to a positive circumstance. Um, so that, that's kind of the direction I wanted to, to go with it, looking at just situations I'm seeing within my own life. And then on a larger abroad society that when you just expect something, there doesn't really tend to be joy there, but when you receive it, even if it's um, consistent, it, it just tends to be a lot better, a lot more appreciation, and a lot better for for everything around. So I wanted to start with that conversation, knowing that um, we're in a situation where this podcast talks about Christ, and Christ is continually pouring out himself and his mercies to us and not to go along the side of the fence of just expecting it, but to actually be receiving it in a joyful state. Um, So the difference between expectation and uh, receiving uh, in terms of our relationship with Christ. And yeah, we, we often talk in the, yeah, I don't know, circles, various circles, prayer groups and things like that of, of having an expectant faith that uh, that's a little bit different than, than what you're getting at. I think I can uh, see the distinction that you're trying to make there. But um, anyway, just to mention that having an expectant faith that, that we really pray with faith. Some, sometimes people will, will say a prayer as a kind of, uh, you know, well, I guess I might as well mention it because uh, who knows? You know, it's like it's kind of like buying a lottery ticket. It's like, well, you know, might as well buy one. It doesn't cost that much, and the winning is is pretty significant. But I have no expectation of actually winning the lottery. That's uh, that's not the way we should live our Christianity. <laughs> so just to say that first of all, uh, that having having an expectant faith is a is a step in the right direction, but. On the other hand, uh, maybe maybe the distinction you're making is a little bit more about uh, something like entitlement and receiving. Anyway, uh, just not uh, not waiting for something to happen to us. Like, well, that's uh, you know, I'll just uh, 
keep showing up and uh, wait for something to happen as opposed to really receiving it. The, f- the fact is, it's already happening. So it's not like God will love us in the future. He is already loving us right now. It's, it's a little like the, uh, the older son and the story of the prodigal son that, you know, apparently he was always waiting for his father to do something for him. And, and thinking that if he worked hard enough, if he did enough, then finally the day would come that his father said, hey, son, let's, uh, let's have, a, have a goat to uh, celebrate with, with your, our, your friends. You know? uh, let's, uh, let's have a party. Let's, uh, he was always waiting for the father to intervene, whereas the father was saying, hey, you just say the word. Everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. There was never anything being held back from you, but you just never asked for anything. And, and the willingness to receive gratuitously, the, to, re, to receive the gift. But we've got to, we sort of have to know what we want to receive. We have to be ready to receive. We've got to ask the question in order to actually receive. So when we go into prayer, you know, do we, do we just sort of sit there and wait for something to happen to us? Or do we go knowing that we are coming into the presence of, of a God who loves us? When we go to adoration, that's really Jesus there. And Jesus is not just sitting on the altar, you know, sort of minding his own business. He is actively pursuing us. In fact, he's the one that drew us there to begin with. We have this idea that we're the one doing all the work. But the fact is, he's the one that drew us there. He's the one that's initiating. He's looking at us, loving us, pursuing us more intensely than we are with him. And that's the kind of faith that that we really want to cultivate so that we're going with confidence. It's uh it's the way the little children are. You know, little children come into the world at least and discover very quickly that they have parents who love them in in the normal circumstances where there isn't neglect and abuse and things like that in the normal circumstances they come into the world discovering that you know and and then learning to expect when they cry out mom comes running when they reach out daddy picks their you know picks them up when they ask to you know for for something to, to eat, then they get something to eat. When they ask for a hug, they get a hug. They had the expectation, the, the good expectation of already receiving it, of, of already taking, receiving the gift that is that is freely offered. So I'm not sure if I'm getting quite the, the sense of what we're going after, Joe. So maybe I'll just stop there. And if there's something I'm uh, missing, or if there's something that you can clarify to kind of take us another level into that. Yeah, I well, I think you definitely got a, a good basis there. I, I guess what I'm, I'm trying to say is, um, as far as expecting faith, I get what you're saying is, is we know that Christ is already giving himself out to us. And it's not like scratching a lottery ticket where there's no expectation of anything working out. We know that, that Christ has gone through his passion and outpoured all of his mercies. I guess what, what I'm trying to say, and, and, and I'm, missing how to to relay this example into the, the faith realm but when you go out and, and actually work for something which is as you were saying there with the prodigal son ask you know you're doing the work which is great but 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 actually going out and and effectively earning it you know doing something for it and then you receiving um, a gift in return versus 
just expecting everything to work out regardless of what your input is, regardless of, 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 of what you put into the machine. You expect a great outcome no matter what, just because you're magical or something. And, and I guess that's what, what I'm, I'm trying to articulate, having had that come up a couple of times here recently where, you know, at, at the end of the day, as we've been discussing pretty much for a month or so now, the more you become invested in Christ through your actions and your thoughts, the better off your life ends up being. And if you just expect it to happen without exercising any of those muscles, it's not going to work out. So that's kind of the direction that I was trying to, to guide it into here. And, you know, I don't know if that clarified it a little bit for you or if that made sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you gotta, <laughs> well, when God wants to give us something, he's not going to force it on us. So, uh, he's, he's ready. He has it available, but then he needs to make sure that we freely accept that we freely want it. And so how's he going to do that? How's he going to make sure that we're freely accepting his love, freely accepting his gift, freely accepting so that he's not forcing those things on us? He forced a few things on us already. He forced existence on us. We didn't get a choice about that. He forced uh, a number of qualities uh, of ourselves, gifts, as well as uh, weaknesses. Sometimes people get resentful about that. You know, he forced those things on us. It's not like he does nothing on his own, but there's a whole realm of interpersonal relationship that he's not going to force on us. He is, is waiting for our freedom. And so how do we show him that we can freely accept? Well, by asking for it, by working for it, like He's not going to force us to have a deep relationship with him. So how do we show him in our freedom that we really want a deep relationship with him? Well, make time for prayer. Show up. Use the, the tools, the gifts that he's given us in the sacraments. And, and so in that sense, that's, that's why it seems like our initiative, it seems like we're doing all the work. But the fact is we're just showing him that we freely desire that we freely accept, that we freely choose the things that he wants to give us, which again are more fundamentally about relationship than about stuff. He's not that excited about, you know, giving us the uh, the lottery money or something like that. You know, it's it's just so easy to reduce prayer to these things that are that are trite, really, that are passing away, that are not that important. And in fact, we could say it in one way, God doesn't want to give us something that's going to diminish his relationship with us. The fact is, if we had, if we won the lottery, we'd depend on God less <laughs> because we could think that we can depend on money more. We're more likely to fall into idolatry, to idolize money if we win the lottery. And so sometimes he's, he doesn't want to give us those things because he doesn't want to diminish his relationship with us. He wants to increase his relationship with us. So that's why uh, Jesus says, for example, you know, if you who are wicked know how to give your children good gifts, then how much more does the father 
want, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift. The Holy Spirit is precisely our relationship with God and is the, that living relationship, receiving more of that relationship. So when we want to deepen our relationship with him, then we have to show him we want to deepen our relationship with him. He's not going to force it on us. And so we show him by showing up. We show him by committing ourselves. We show him by, by taking the time. And when we start to take the time for a daily holy hour, for example, for a daily rosary, for daily mass, for our daily morning offering, for our uh, daily devotions, daily scripture reading, daily Lectio Divina, daily liturgy of the hours, you know, when we start to make the time and commit the time, then we're really showing him, I really want a relationship with you. And then we're going to find that God will extend to us. The, the gift has been waiting for us. We don't have to question, if I want a relationship with him, does he want a relationship with me? Yes. The answer is yes. If I want to spend time with him, does he want to spend time with me? Yes. The answer is yes. And so we make ourselves, we avail ourselves, make ourselves available to the gifts he wants to give us by making those kinds of initiative, making those kinds of prayer, asking these kinds of questions taking these uh, the time for these things. So um, so we have to use our freedom to show God that we really want it. And then he knows he's not forcing it on us. And then he can give us the gifts that he's so ready. He's so ready to give us the gift of a deeper relationship with him if we will just make ourselves available to it. I have a follow-up question from that. And I'm not totally sure if it's answerable or not, but the the essence of of everything you just said there was God wants a relationship with us, and the most important things He gave us were the relationships. So that leads me to just the, the question: Why is there a natural tendency to to want things over relationships? As we all see in our own lives, relationships are more rewarding. Mm-hmm than anything else and most of the things that we find the most benefit from are effectively tools in one format or another to be in a relationship with someone else Um, you know some people use you know events like gathering together like watching the nfl or something like that um you know but just as a core concept why is there that almost contrary element to that yeah, it's a great question. I think the basic thing is that uh, relationships require trust, and trust is open to betrayal. And uh, the more that we've experienced betrayal in our lives, the more hesitant we are to trust. The more that we've been hurt when we open up and become vulnerable, the less we want to open up and become vulnerable. But there's no relationship without vulnerability. There's no relationship without trust. So just as you said, it is the most rewarding thing. But we're really careful in how we open up and trust because it's a real risk. Whereas things seem to be more trustworthy. You know, if you got a million bucks, the million bucks is still going to be there. Now, the irony is that if you put your million bucks in a bank, then you're trusting on the currency and the bank and the government and a lot of other things. But it seems like uh, more, more trustworthy and I suppose if you have, you know, real estate or something or you have anyway, um, we, we have it's kind of an illusion that things are more trust, trustworthy. But 
uh, we're not made for things. And so, as you said, it's not as satisfying, but it's also not as harmful. One of the weird ways that we're wired is that an equal amount of harm and an equal amount, uh, an equal amount of harm or benefit, we will, we won't take the risk because, um, you know, ten units of harm is far more painful than ten units of benefit feels good. They don't counterbalance themselves in our minds. So this is kind of universal. People won't take risks. If it's if it's a risk of losing 10 bucks or gaining 10 bucks, they won't take the risk. But if it's a risk of losing 10 bucks to gain a hundred bucks, you know, then uh, that's that's a more reasonable risk if it's a 50-50 chance. So um, anyway, uh, we we are risk averse and we try to control and uh, and so we're very careful. And uh, what is that? Once, once bitten, twice shy. Uh, once burned, twice shy. And so, yeah. So the more that we've we've suffered, the more that it's been a bad investment. The more that we have had bad experiences and relationships, that makes it even worse. And one of the things, just for my livelihood, is I have to jump in those risk pools virtually every day. Um, you know, I'm taking a risk whenever I select a tenant. You know, are they actually going to pay? Are they going to treat the house appropriately? And one of the things that I found is exactly what you're saying is, as people, we have a very bad skill of determining perception versus reality. And, you know, that's something I've probably had conversations with hundreds of times about trying to teach people there's a difference between perception and, and what's really going on here. And I guess you just kind of answered in those lights that the things element give us a perception that it's going to be better um, because it's not going to be bad. But the reality is, is that those 10 units of benefit actually do far outweigh the short term 10 units of pain. And that's normally the difference. And that's why people can't grasp it as well. Normally the benefits are long-term and the pains are short-term. And mm. most of us live so far in the now that investing in the future just isn't worth it. Um, you know, if I'm only going to get some of this energy back today, even if it's got a compound to be more fruitful down the road, why would we do that? Um, it makes me wonder if getting away from the farm is is part of that. Because think about it. If you got to go plant all this work down today and hope you get enough rain for the corn to grow and hope that those corn stalks produce enough corn on them, there's a lot of later on benefit for a lot of upfront work. And so many of us don't have that thought process. And it's a... It's just a, a random observation that I had there. Yeah, I like the point that you made about the 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 benefits. So it's it's actually not a, uh, a an equal ratio. The long term benefit is you know hundreds of units we might say because precisely because it's a long term benefit, it pays out more slowly perhaps, and it's over a long period longer period of time. But just like like compound interest, you know, that's the the kind of thing. It's an investment that really pays off when you start to do the numbers. Not that you can reduce all these things to numbers, but anyway, I think it communicates the point. Whereas the 
the short-term pain is is uh, much more minimal. On the other hand, you know, when we do invest in long-term relationships, and we really start to depend on other people in our lives, and then the and then the betrayal comes, you know, that really has a way of shattering people, and because we just build up so many things in our lives around this this person around what this person thinks of us around the the joy that's shared around you know just just really allowing our lives to uh, to come together really putting the weight of our life on a foundation which is tied in with this person and our whole our our meaning gets really wrapped up in in a, in a particular relationship like marriage for example i'm thinking uh you know for me you know in a way like religious life uh my 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 religious community but uh when we when we make serious investments in a, in a particular person when we wrap up our life in a long term with them then the the pain can be pretty huge and and we can really lose a lot now with god uh, he doesn't let us down as as long as we understand what the terms of the relationship are as long as we don't uh miss have the misperception that that uh he's going to give us everything we want or something like that but if we know who he is if we really invest in him not even death stands in the way he never lets us down he never gives up on us he never betrays us we betray him all the time god forgive us but he never betrays us and that's one of the things that we discover that he is asking for an even greater investment in uh in him but he also is uh you know always trustworthy he's always able to uh to carry through so um yeah, that's one of the uh, the adjustments that's there. But back to your point about relationships, they're they're so great, and yet uh, we we hesitate and and uh, prefer stuff. But I think it really goes back to that trust, the vulnerability, and as you said, those business relationships or those tenant relationships, or you know, really the fact is, I mean, we're recording this conversation over the internet. We wouldn't have the internet without trusting a ton of people. I mean, a ton of people. I think what I brought up in a previous podcast, you know, the number of people that it takes to get a cup of coffee onto your table in the morning is like well over a thousand people are involved in one cup of coffee. <laughs> this, uh, we just are trusting so many people all the time, but we, we live in the illusion that with certain guarantees and certain backup systems and certain, uh, whatever laws and economic uh, structures and all these other things that seem to guarantee our, uh, our, our daily electricity and our daily bread and our daily coffee and our daily water and everything else that those are just always going to be there. And the fact is we're trusting all the time. Yeah. Really at the end of the day, I and mean, we all can think of these examples that, that wouldn't be, you know, you, you invest long-term and something goes sideways God really is the only thing that's guaranteed that won't let you down. And there is a lot of putting into that. that he, well, obviously, that takes a lot of faith in believing that and making that so in, in your soul. But at the end of the day, it's true. And to take it to a very um, young person perspective about this discussion about pain and long-term benefits... 
you know, you have a little kid and all they want to do is, is play with, play with their toys and, and, and just keep playing, playing, playing. And sometimes taking them away and making them sit and focus for an hour to them at the, at that age will seem like pain and, and seem like a, a problem. But as far as the long-term benefits of, of getting your child to go to church and become faithful therein, the rewards are going to be outstanding, not just for them, but for yourself as well. So on that note, I'd like to thank everyone out there for listening to today's episode. Uh, we do thank you everyone for sharing it as we are continuing to growing at rates that uh, when we started were never believable. So thank you everyone out there for give, giving us the, the reviews. If you haven't yet, please do that. That helps us grow even faster. But most of all, thank you guys for telling each other about it. We'll be with you again next week.